Today's episode is brought to you by the U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card. To learn more, visit usbank.com slash altitude go. As a traveler, it's a fact you're going to need to manage your spending in different currencies. You need a service that not only helps you send, spend, and receive in different currencies fast, but also does it without the hidden fees or exchange rate markups. This is where WISE comes in. WISE is the easiest way to connect all of your finances internationally. I've been a customer for over a decade. It's been a lifesaver for me as a traveler, a nomad, and now a permanent resident abroad. If you're a traveler who's still using your regular bank, you need to check this out. Join 16 million customers and learn how the WISE account could work for you by downloading the app or visiting wise.com slash travel. That's wise.com slash travel. Thank you to WISE for supporting today's show. This episode of Zero to Travels brought to you by the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder with seven drive modes. The Pathfinder's available intelligent 4x4 is built for even the most epic journeys. Learn more at NissanUSA.com. People would think we were crazy. We came down with two grand to turn AMOS five kids to Guatemala. We're just like, we're going to make it work. And so far, so good. Yeah. <laughs> and And I guess the experiment is is this question of what happens when you when you just trust that you're looked after and you give. That is today's guests who are also members of this listening community, Owen and Christina Dargatz from thegivingexperiment.com. Over there, they share real-life experiences of a family of seven attempting an existence focused on generosity as a way of life. And you'll hear how all this started for them, why they chose to sell everything and move abroad, and what their new way of life has taught them so far. Some of the many themes that come up during our conversation, how travel has the power to shatter your existing belief system. That happens when you go out and you travel, that you get shaken up, and your your minds that get shaken up, your beliefs get shaken up, they get challenged, and you really get to ask those big questions of, why do I believe what I believe? And And I think that's the gift of of traveling. The importance of investing in relationships and community. For somebody that has, you know, countless money in the bank, if they have not invested in relationships when when you know push comes to shove, um I feel like that's becoming our message is like invest in relationships in community because people here don't have much, but their life is super rich. How they keep financial stress at bay, living abroad on a small amount of money with five kids, and some other perspectives you may want to consider on the financial side of traveling, like this one. Well, just the contrast of what we've experienced in comparison to the, the like, you can make six figures in, in one month and, like, you can have your dreams. It's like, what we're experiencing is learning that less is more and it it's actually so much nicer to learn how to live with less it's so much more achievable all of that coming your way today plus the crazy story behind how they met i'd never heard this one before what documentary was the catalyst for their entire journey and how a simple at-home experiment got them out of their comfort zone and thinking about a life abroad, a one-word explanation of why they flipped their entire life upside down, some of the benefits of relocating to a more affordable community and donating your time to contribute to it, 
and much more. Plus, I'm going to give a shout out today to a listener who is using a birthday celebration to reach a big travel goal. I love combining those two. A little nice travel surprise I had in Guatemala as well. I'm going to share a personal experience there. And who knows what else? The only way to find out is to get into the episode. So let's do it. Buckle up, strap in. Thanks for being here. And welcome to the Zero to Travel podcast, my friend. You're listening to the Zero to Travel podcast, where we explore exciting travel-based work, lifestyle, and business opportunities, helping you to achieve your wildest travel dreams. And now your host, world wanderer and travel junkie, Jason Moore. Hey, what's up? It's Jason here with ZeroToTravel.com. Welcome to the show, my friend. Thanks for hanging out, letting me bring a little travel into your ears today. This is the show to help you travel the world on your terms to fill your life with as much travel as you desire, no matter what your situation or experience. Welcome, my friend. How are you today? How is life? Hope this finds you well. And one of the countries we talk about today is Guatemala where my guests relocated. Fun facts on Guatemala. There are more than 30 volcanoes there, apparently. This according to an intrepidtravel.com article. And Guatemalans invented the first ever chocolate bar. I was surprised to read that. I was also extremely grateful for whoever did that. Whoever that was in history who stood there and thought to put chocolate into a bar... I salute you, my friend, because since you've done that, how many billions of chocolate bars have been consumed all over the world? I think I've consumed my fair share this year. And after they started putting sea salt in into chocolate bars, forget about it. I was done. <laughs> I've got a shout out to share. want to give a listener in this community some props for a big accomplishment and a big milestone that she is combining with a birthday celebration, which I think is very cool. This listener shout-out goes to Robin, who dropped me a line, said, there have been so many things that you and your guests have shared that have made me realize I'm not alone in the path I want to take in life. I started my career with one of the big four accounting firms and worked very long hours for six years while dreaming about traveling the world. Earlier this year, I realized I didn't want to continue down that path, working constantly and not having the time or energy to do the things I love. So I started thinking of ways to walk away from the job and go from dreaming about traveling the world to actually doing it. Not many people in my life have done something like this or understand why it is so important to me. So hearing stories of people who have been in my position and have been successful in their adventures has been extremely helpful and validated that this is the right thing for me to do. Goes on to say that when she wrote this email, it was actually her last day with the company. She says, quote, I am extremely lucky in how supportive my coworkers have been and feel like I'm leaving on a great note to start my adventures. Don't have a timeline quite yet. However, I'm planning to take a couple months away from the working world to travel and figure out what comes next. I'm traveling to the Caribbean next month and will be spending the winter in Europe in celebration of my 30th birthday and reaching my goal of 30 countries by 30. After that, I am planning to spend a few months in Australia and New Zealand and see where life takes me. Again, I just wanted to say a huge thank you for providing the inspiration and community that has given me the courage to take this leap. Sincerely, Robin. Thank you very much, Robin, for being a part of the community, actually being a Premium Passport member now, and for sharing your thoughts. Congratulations on 
the 30 by 30 goal. I love that you were able to combine those two things. That's going to be a pretty epic moment, I imagine, leaving your job, being abroad, reaching that 30th country. And I just wanted to share this with everybody before we dive into this show because this is a reminder of what this is about. These interviews, these conversations, everything we share here is about the stories, hearing somebody else's perspective and their experience. Nobody here is telling anybody how to live. It's just how they are living and what that experience is like and just trying to share it honestly. And it's a great reminder that these stories for all of us can act as a bit of a support system In Robin's case, she said not a lot of people understand why this is important to her. And a lot of people in her position, they they don't necessarily leave to do this kind of thing. I agree. These stories can sometimes act as a mirror. We take whatever we hear from them in that moment in time and maybe it causes us to ask some questions about our own lives or just consider things from a bird's eye view, maybe something catches our attention that we hadn't thought about before. That's what it's all about. And today's story is no exception. What a wild ride this family is on currently. And what they're doing here is coming on and just sharing their truth and what they're experiencing right this moment. And that's all we can do. That's all we can all do. So enjoy the conversation. Stick around on the back end. I also want to share a bit of a surprise I got when I was traveling through Guatemala. A pleasant surprise. And I was wondering if you have experienced this type of surprise before when you've been out on the road. So stick around for that and some thoughts on the interview. And I'll leave you with a quote as well. For now, enjoy the conversation. And I will see you on the other side, my friends. My guests today sold everything to move from the base of a world-class ski resort in Canada down to Guatemala to switch over to an experimental way of living with a focus on enhancing the lives of others and the environment. Since then, they have started several grassroots projects in their community, including organizing Lakeshore Plastic Cleanups, a children's club, a music academy, and more. And they are doing this all with five children. Yes, five. You heard me correctly. All under the age of 12 years old. They're documenting their ups and downs over at thegivingexperiment.com. I encourage you to go check it out. Owen and Christina Dargatz, welcome to the Zero to Travel podcast, my friends. Thank you. It's good to be on here. Yes, it's three in the morning. Taking care (laughs) of children. Thank you so much for getting up in the middle of the night. I don't know if that was because of my booking schedule or just because you guys were like, this is the only time we can do these kind of things. (laughs) It was a bit of both. Okay. (laughs) Your booking schedule was, yeah, that's the way that worked out. And then we thought, oh, this, this is actually the best time to do this. Yeah. I saw two 30 in the, in the, I saw two 30 and I was like, I'll book that. And then I checked the email and it said two 30 AM. And I was like, that might actually be even better. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, well, you say that now, but wait till like three o'clock in the afternoon later today. You're going to be like, what were we thinking? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I'm really excited to chat with you guys and uh, learn more about everything you've been up to. And I guess it sounds like you're 
kind of in year two of this experiment. First, I wanted to say, Owen, nice Wilco heavy metal drummer cover, man. Oh, you uh, you got around on the yeah on the uh, sweet yeah. I'm yeah. A, I'm a Wilco fan, so you yeah, know, like, awesome. Glad to see that. Sweet, yeah. <laughs> We're sitting in that exact same spot in the living room where that was recorded. So nice. Yeah. Did you guys grow up in Canada, or give us kind of the background on where you're from, each of you? I'll let Chrissy take this here. I grew up in Canada but moved around quite a bit and I had a unique perspective because I also lived in the far north of Canada, which is like a completely different country. It's a different Canada. (laughs) It is a very different Canada. (laughs) And I lived fairly close to the Arctic Circle in a very small community that was fly-in. So we would leave once a year. Yeah, it's super isolated. eh? Yeah. What was so, the name of the community? Baker Lake. It's actually the geographical center of Canada. Okay. I have to look at it. You'll have look to look it up. It up. It's, yeah. It gives you an idea of how absolutely large Canada really is. Right. Yeah, because, well, I live in Norway and, you know, there's a whole thing with up north and it is so much more isolated. And was it the same for you where in the winter, the sun never comes up type of thing? Are you you that far north? Yeah. Yeah. And in the summer, the sun never goes down. Yeah. Yeah. So you have the midnight sun. Yep. And And beyond. Beautiful (laughs) northern lights. Right. Yeah. How many people live in that town? Um, At that time, around 1,200. Wow. Okay. So pretty small and extremely isolated. What, What was that experience like? I mean, I guess just kind of what you know. But yeah, it was incredible. There were, I think about five, we're called kablunaks, um, which means big bellies and uh, rosy cheeks, (laughs) which is the name for white people in our school. And it was a really eye-opening experience as a child. I got to experience uh, being a minority and things like racism from the other side uh, as a minority and as a child. It was something that introduced me to the ideas of, I guess, the consequences of colonialism and residential schools at a very young age. So it was very formative in my upbringing and who I am now. And my perspective. When did you leave? I lived there for almost four years. um, And I left when I was around 12. So super habit forming. Yeah. Years for you. How about you, Owen? it It was a good connection point for us when we met because I grew up in Peru. And we were kind of living in you know regular old canada and with very different perspectives from the majority of of our friends and people around us so i think we just yeah i i moved in with her dad um before i met her i lived with her dad for quite a while 
and I was roommates with him. And wait, what? Saw, yeah, I know. <laughs> well, how does I don't understand? Can you, you got to explain that to me? So, so her dad was just this single guy living in this this house, and I was working at this lumber mill, and needed a place to rent, and ran into this guy. And uh, longer story of of somebody else connecting us, but he was like, uh, I hope yeah knocked on his door and he's like hey come on in we're just like watching this video about the rose revolution in georgia and this documentary and and we landed up having this this amazing um evening uh my sister had just passed away and his his brother had passed away at the same age that i was and he had all sorts of guidance and good good words for me at that time so i was like and and just yeah had this great time with this guy that was my dad's age and and uh then i get this place so i moved in with him and and uh, so he rented me a room and i was roommates with my future wife's dad for about a year before <laughs> before i even met her so yeah yeah pretty uh pretty interesting introduction for sure yeah it's not very often that you hear somebody bonding with their father-in-law before they are their father (laughs) (laughs) maybe in an arranged marriage (laughs) yeah i guess he uh saw all sides you right he's like well christina you know there there are a few things you should know about owen (laughs) yeah it's hilarious he did not like it when we started showing interest for each other he's like oh that's that's i know this guy too well But I guess you eventually got the stamp of approval. Yeah, uh, eventually it happened. Um, so <laughs> that's really interesting. Eventually, yeah, yeah. So, so we just we moved in together as friends. Uh, she moved back into her dad's place while I was uh, while I was living with him, and like I think it was the first day that she got back. Her dad was like all right, here's the deal. You're not back under my roof. We're going to like, we're going to go to church every Sunday. We're going to never drink all this, all these rules. And I was just like, I was just like, oh yeah. He said, oh, you have to be in by 10. And I looked at him. I'm like, who are you, man? Like we, (laughs) that wasn't any of the way we were living before. (laughs) And Chrissy looks at me and she's just like, we had never really hung out even. And she's like, do you want to get a place? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, sure. And we were both in relationships at the time. Like there was no interest or anything like that. It was just like, yeah, that seems practical. And, and she was coming to work for me. So I had a little painting company. So anyway. Yeah. Yeah. So the rest is history. We've been living together since. Right. Okay. Yeah. How long after you moved in together, did things start happening? Um, Oh, she left. We lived together for a little, like maybe four months, and she went mushroom picking. And what kind of mushrooms? <laughs> so, in the northwest of Canada, I guess like the west coast of the states, there's this whole beautiful underground kind of subculture of mushroom pickers that travel from the northern well i guess from alaska down to california 
And one of these locations that they pick is in the Haida Gwaii Islands in British Columbia. And I had a friend that was going and she invited me to go with her. And so I decided, oh, why not? I've never done this before. So I went and lived in a tent for a month and picked uh, chanterelle mushrooms. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah, I've, I, there are so many different mushrooms and Norway and you know you really have to know what you're doing with mushrooms because if you eat the wrong one you're dead and yeah mm-hmm. I don't know it's always been something that's a little bit interesting if I could find somebody around here who can show me the ropes it'd be pretty cool oh like, it's so worth it it's like little treasure hunting yeah <laughs> yeah like right now there are a lot of blueberries growing outside of our house in the forest and it's so relaxing to just go out with my kids and just pick blueberries or something that feels so natural and nice about it i guess calming yeah 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 our kids go to their grandparents and i I just had i went back to canada with my two-year-old uh a little while ago and my parents had blueberries growing and she just like hang out in the yard picking blueberries all afternoon yeah it's amazing when did you leave Peru then? So I was there from six to sixteen. So most of most of my childhood, and it it was a really big reason for me wanting to move somewhere uh, with Spanish for my kids, so that I could connect with them in that way. And and this little one that's just talking here, she answers us in Spanish when we talk to her because she is a little little (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's pretty cool all the actually the four older kids um will talk to each other in in English and then they'll turn to her and like talk to her in Spanish So it's a cool dynamic, yeah. Pretty incredible to watch the language evolve with the little ones and seeing when my daughter will say something to my wife in Norwegian then turn to me and say it in English. I'm just like, wow, that is so cool you can do that. It's so cool. (laughs) And I just think of all the benefits to their development, that constant switching back and forth. We'll be back right after this. This episode is brought to you by U.S. Bank. Recently, I went out for tacos and it wasn't even Friday. Yes, we have Taco Friday in Norway, not Taco Tuesday. Well, more importantly, I could have earned rewards for every scrumptious bite of those chorizo soft shells. Introducing the U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card. Earn four times points when you go out for dining or order takeout and restaurant delivery, including tacos. Plus, you can earn two times points when you shop for or order your groceries, two times points when you need to fill up or charge up at gas stations and EV charging stations. You're even rewarded with two times points just for your favorite streaming services. Go to usbank.com slash altitude. Go! To learn more about how you can earn 20,000 bonus points worth $200 if you spend $1,000 in the first 90 days of opening your account. Win big with the U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card. Visit usbank.com slash Altitude Go to apply. Limited time offer. The creditor and issuer of this card is U.S. Bank National Association pursuant to a license from Visa USA, Inc. Some restrictions may apply. 
This episode of Zero to Travel is presented by the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder. From muddy jungle paths and snowy trails to rolling sand dunes, the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder has the capability to take you to some of the most epic destinations on Earth. We're excited to partner with Nissan because our listeners know we love to celebrate the joy of exploring the world and finding the best off-the-beaten-path destinations to visit. And there's no better vehicle for that than the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder with seven drive modes. The Pathfinder's available intelligent 4x4 is built for even the most epic journeys, and it even has the best towing capacity in its class, up to 6,000 pounds, so you can bring the fun with you. But Nissan also knows that it's not just about where you go. In a Pathfinder, the real fun comes from getting there, and that's something we love celebrating here on the Zero to Travel podcast. We believe that life is about finding that joy within the journey itself, and that's why we're thrilled to partner with Nissan to celebrate adventurers everywhere. So thanks again to Nissan for sponsoring this episode of Zero to Travel and for the reminder to chase bigger, better, more exciting adventures and enjoy the ride along the way. Learn more at NissanUSA.com. Now back to the show. Oh, and did you end, then end up going to Canada for like school or work or how did you end up leaving Peru to go to Canada? Yeah, well... Um... Uh, my parents just gave me the option, really. And when I when I was fifteen, I went back. They were doing four years on, four years off, and I went back uh, halfway through one of those um, to jump into grade eleven, I think, because just accreditation and to have that as an option if I wanted to do college in Canada or anything like that. So um, that's why I I. I chose to go back and the grass is always greener on the other side. And as a teenager, you don't really think through that. So we were in Peru and because I had the option, I went to Canada. And if I had been in Canada, I'm sure I would have decided to go to Peru. Like it just, you know, you miss, you miss the other place when you're, when you're there and you know them both so well. So mm. yeah. 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 There is something about that with the, the rebellious, teenage mind right you're just going to do the opposite of whatever you're used to or like it doesn't matter i mean i feel like talk to people who you know they might have grown up on like maui or something and they're like i gotta get out of here you know it's just like <laughs> sometimes that's just the teenage way right you want to bust out of your hometown no i'm curious to just hear the background because obviously you can't discount where you come from and the experiences you had growing up and what leads you to a decision like a uh, one that you guys have made, which we're going to get into. Did you always plan on having a big family like this or what I would call a big family? I guess I'm from, I only have one sibling. So, and I have two kids and five sounds like big to me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it depends well, on your definition of a big family. I, I grew up with three sisters and and you grew up with with two sisters so and i i think we're always shooting for four and just kind of you know we weren't we didn't talk about kids when we first um when we first got married which is supposed to be like a big no-no and and we went to this tree planting camp together to visit a friend and we saw this couple they were cooking for the tree planters and we saw them 
with a baby wrapped on their back and just how they functioned as a family. And Chris Hughes just like, I could do that, you know, and it looks so chill. And their baby was adapting to their life, not the other way around. Right. So um, that was a big moment for us. And you can. Yeah, that was the first. It was like this spark went off in my brain or I guess in my whole body that was like, oh, that's an option. I, I didn't know that you didn't need all the gadgets that you could just have a baby and it could be laying in the grass looking at the sky and it didn't need some sort of stimulation around it or a bouncy chair. And that was, that was the day that our firstborn was conceived. (laughs) Wow. Really? Yeah. There was, there was no family planning other than um, this aha moment. And I think that, um those moments have guided us a lot in our marriage and in our lives is these these aha moments of oh now is the right time for this and i trust my intuition and and that was that was our firstborn was just this somebody gave me the vision of what was possible and we went with that unknowingly gave you the vision right just by yeah yeah it was living. beautiful yeah just by living <laughs> but it was this mutual adaptation that you you can fit a child into life you can and there are a lot of ways to do it it certainly can change over time and attitudes can change when children come along and and everything like that and i know with what you guys are doing right now yeah, I mean, there can be per- some perceptions around that depending on who you are, right? Like some people might think, oh, that is just the coolest thing ever. And yeah, you just bring your kids. What a learning experience. And others, you know, might have the polar opposite opinion. They're like, well, you know, you're pu- you're taking them out of this whatever and putting them into these situations. And they're in the backs of trucks without seatbelts and, you know, <laughs> that kind of stuff. So it's just, it's interesting that, you all have this experience, but people from the outside can see it as a completely different thing or maybe judge it in some in some ways too. That's why I always think I like to have these conversations because it's just great to hear what the experience is and why you chose to do it. And I, I don't think what you guys are doing is something that you're saying, well, this is for everybody. You're just living your truth, essentially, it seems to me. Yeah, that's right. And, and it definitely isn't for everybody. And everything isn't for everybody. And I think that's the beauty of life is that what you're doing has to be right for you. Yeah. We talked about the to the bouncy chairs and the gadgets and having kids and stuff like that. It's, it sounds like, well, I mean, just from the email when I said you guys were living, uh, it sounds like in a pretty nice area near a world-class ski resort and then moving to Guatemala where you didn't have running water and it's a totally different situation. Can you explain just in one word why you flipped your life upside down this way? And then I want to unpack it deeper, but I'm just curious if there was one word to to say why, what would that be? Escape. Escape from what? Uh, Comfort. Because did you find that you went into that direction more than you thought you would or kind of the traditional, what we think of as the traditional Western upbringing for children? 
Yeah, I think it just it just happens by default when you're living in a very comfortable place. And we actually really tried within those parameters to create discomfort for our children and for ourselves. I guess, for example, we we decided to shut our water off for 10 days to go without and to really experience it. And we found that even when we shut our water off, we were hauling from a spring nearby. As hard as we tried, we still couldn't really put ourselves in in the shoes that we we were hoping to with um, really experiencing what a vast number of people go through on a daily basis just to access water. We were walking to this beautiful, beautiful, pristine spring on this ski hill, no one around, berries, it was clean. Uh, The water was, you know, we didn't need to boil it. It was just, and here we are, you know, really trying to put ourselves in other people's shoes and it's still a little too comfortable. Yeah, that was our catalyst for for coming here um, was... Uh, we, Chrissy watched a documentary and encourage anybody out there to check out charity water, uh, org. Um, it because- was, it was actually a commercial that popped up on YouTube for me. And it was a 20 minute commercial, which, you know, most of us are able to skip after four seconds, but it really captivated me and had me in tears and, it was after I had just given birth to our fifth and Owen called me on the phone and I was just sobbing and he was like, what, are you okay? And I was like, no, I'm not okay. I just watched a commercial. <laughs> He's like, okay, do you, do you need me to come home right now? <laughs> you know, are you, are you okay? You just had a baby. And, um, and I was like, yeah, you need to come home and you need to watch this commercial. So, <laughs> yeah, I came I, home and watched it, and I was like, "Yeah, like that's so." Like I grew up very close to that, and it's very like I was very aware of it. And then, and then Simon, my oldest son, said something the next day that was like just really entitled and really like ski town entitled kid. <laughs> and I was like, "You're watching this commercial with me." <laughs> So I, I sit down with him and the second time I watched it, I just started sobbing and it got me the second time I watched it. And, um, and I just, at first I was a a really important part of the story to me is that at first I felt like I needed to like suppress the tears and like, just, I don't know, as a, a man or just in front of my son, I was just like fighting the tears and I was like, no, man, like he needs to hear, he needs to hear it and see me cry and be moved by this, that it's okay. And these things should move you. It's the fact that they don't, because we're so disconnected from it. That's the problem, you know? And, and so I'm, I, I'm like, oh, we're going to raise money for this charity. And they, they give you the option to run, run your own campaigns with your own goals and people skip their birthdays uh, and just asking people to donate instead of giving them presents and all this stuff. And I wanted my kids to connect with that level of, of poverty that we're raising. So 
we're going to shut our water main off in the house for 10 days and haul our water like the people have to that we're raising the money for. And um, we raised a lot of money. And and our neighbors, like we were living in a really affluent neighborhood and our neighbors would like see this family walk out the door every day with these five-gallon pails and and go get water. Our kids would be crying or they'd be... I remember <laughs> our first walk to get water and I asked her, I think she was four, our four-year-old to carry a, just a water bottle. And she was just in agony <laughs> carrying this water bottle. Like, you don't even care about me. And the, the irony of, yeah. of it all and just, uh, yeah, these beautiful moments that were had while we were trying to create some sort of struggle, you know, some sort of. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, people looked at us like we were crazy, but. We had people tell us that they were concerned about us. Yeah. About our, our children's well-being, drinking spring water. And. Like, have, have you guys had that tested for heavy metals? It's like, oh man, if we, if people can drink water that like pigs are drinking out of and cows upstream, like think we're going to be okay for, for 10 days. Yeah. And it was so eye-opening though, those, those comments and those things, because it really, uh, well, you know, if you're concerned about my kids, I think we all need to get concerned about everyone's kids that if this, you know, beautiful spring water you're concerned isn't good enough for my kids, then maybe we should be more concerned about the, the yeah. other water. Dirty, murky yeah. disease water. Yeah. I think I ended up on charity water today when I was doing some research for this interview and watched a bit of that. You get, called a commercial i guess but it's, it is a bit of more of a documentary about the story behind it that's the same one and where the founder scott was coming from uh, i was thinking i just added him to my list i'm like i need to have him on the show he's got a, such a compelling story but yeah the shots of the water and some of the things that were happening when he was on the the ship i, I believe it was the same documentary yeah and, yeah, yeah those tumors and stuff that yeah amazing yeah really really interesting stuff what a story. So it's really cool to hear that that inspired you guys to to kind of create this. What you could say, could you say maybe that this was your first experiment shutting off the water at home? Yeah, I'd say that's like, that was definitely what, because I went, well, I worked through that. Um, like I, I still went to work. I ran a little painting company in, in Canada and where we lived. And I, I still went to work and stuff, but I went back like to work full time after this experiment. Sorry. Yeah, we were looking for something extreme for us to really propel us into something new because we knew that we we felt like something was missing. We were trying to really design this this life for our children that would would really push them into being independent and mentally healthy and yeah really engaged with their community and we just were finding that it wasn't quite 
possible where we were. And it may have been possible other places in Canada, but um, it just wasn't quite possible. And we felt like the only thing that would make it possible is moving to a developing country. And, and we thought we would try it as an experiment. After, after our water, we, we didn't want to turn it back on. So it came time to turn the valve back on and we had a little, you know, ceremony or celebration with some friends that did a last water haul with us. They walked to the spring with us and we came back and then we turned the water on and we knew that things wouldn't be the same. We didn't want them to be the same. Like you guys or the whole family felt that way? I think mostly Owen and I. Yeah. Yeah. What did you like so much about it? I know it sounds like a strange question, but... It set me free. So the biggest thing we noticed is because we didn't have water, we really had to conserve and be more thoughtful about where we were going to put our resource, our precious water resource. And one of the things that we spent a lot of time doing was laundry, just you know, naturally having five kids, we would probably do two loads a day. And so we cut down to doing no laundry and I felt like I was set free, which I think comes back to the escape is I don't want to go back to that. The kids were washing their own laundry. We, we put all their clothes away except for two outfits and they were okay. They were fine. And we didn't need much more than that. We got to see how much water we were really consuming, um, how much how much of our water that we would, you know, spend this precious time hauling um, was going towards flushing our toilets. <laughs> it was like a majority of it, and and so after we saw that, we actually experienced it. It was like, oh man, I don't want to go back to consuming as much as we're consuming, even if it's just the water. And and as a large family, our footprint is bigger. And just becoming aware of it was like, wow, let's let's escape. And and now we're in Guatemala and we routinely go without water, you know, for days. And it really prepared us for that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it's it's pretty bold because as a father of two, four and six right now at the time of this recording, there's a lot to do. <laughs> there's a lot, so, a lot of messes to clean up. Yeah. Throwing uh, another thing mm-hmm. into the mix right now. Like, hey, you know, I don't have enough to do. I'm just going to force myself to you know, get my own water on top of all the other daily things I need to do. <laughs> I had just um, given birth to our fifth a month earlier. I think I think it was seen as really extreme by people and we needed something really extreme to push us out of our comfort zone. And that did the trick. <laughs> it did the trick, yeah. Something Owen didn't mention was that he also decided to fast for the 10 days. And we really wanted change. 
we really wanted what was next for us and we were ready to break out of our shell of comfort and conformity and everything. You know, we were just ready for discomfort. I wanted to ask you about, you know, the kids getting them, obviously the younger ones, they're just kind of along for the ride, but maybe the older ones is like, uh, did you have to get them on board with this? Uh, it sounds like there was a pretty big shift when you decided to, when you saw the documentary shut off the water and, and it just seems like for you guys, some kind of, kind of like maybe when you, when you saw the infant being carried around, like a, some kind of switch flipped and you just like this, something's going to be different from here on out. But, you know, you have the whole family to sort of manage and get on board, even though, yes, you can bring kids and they will adapt to the life that you have. But I'm sure there were some conversations. I'm just wondering how those went, what that process was like. And, you know, maybe looking for some advice here for others that might be maybe not doing what you do, but maybe they're doing some other things that are a bit different than the traditional. And they were looking for some advice or tips around, you know, how to talk to their kids or maybe their loved ones about how they feel about making some big changes like this. We started to show the boys lots of pictures of palm trees <laughs> and, and uh, white sand beaches, um, which we weren't quite sure where we were going to go yet. We, we knew, you know, we were going to go somewhere in Central America, but we hadn't quite pinpointed where exactly. So we just started showing them pictures and just... Um, preparing them through through pictures I think was the biggest thing we did and then when we had landed on Guatemala we started to research the history of the country and the corruption within the government we started to learn about um, banana republics and what happened in Guatemala and I think just even the the curiosity that sparked from researching something I think was really helpful and involving the kids in that research, not shying away from some of the topics that are a bit uh, heavier, like corruption and genocide and what poverty is and what we would be interacting with. It's always a tough call. I think as a parent to, I mean, I think it gradually happens over time, but you know, when certain topics are hit that there's an element of, innocence that's going to be gone forever in some ways and it's it's hard to know when to do that sometimes i feel yeah and i i feel like the younger they are the more adaptable they are as long as they have those people in their lives whether it's parents or you know some other supportive role models that are able to be that constant for them to uh, feel those emotions with to ask the questions to and to just be able to sit with them through the emotions and be with it, you know. I, I think that's a really important um, part of the process of opening them up to some of these heavier topics that we found in, in Canada, a lot of people were adults and they they weren't open to a lot of these topics like even poverty or some of these heavier things that that we've really wanted our kids to know about while they're still in the safety of 
and the comfort of their parents where they can still get a hug. I was curious why you chose Guatemala. I was a little bit surprised. I thought, oh, maybe they would end up going to Peru because of the roots you have there. But it was very much uh, financial. So it's like, oh, Guatemala is halfway. Tickets are about half price. And we really didn't know. We didn't know where we were going. We were like, oh, let's go to Panama and let's go to Costa Rica. Like we worked our way up the map and saying which places we we're going to go. Let's go to Nicaragua. And each time we just kind of were like, ah. And then Chrissy showed me a picture. I was laying on the couch one night. She's like, look at this place. It's like, let's go there. It was a picture of Lake Atitlan. And it's like iconic volcanoes, like huge volcanoes at the, and then this lake at the foothills, you know, and it's just like gorgeous. Like, yeah, let's go there. So we didn't know anybody in Guatemala. We didn't know, you know, we just started looking like I heard Chrissy talking about the, the history and we just started kind of researching the country and like, yeah, this seems like a great place for the kids to grow up. And, you know, I grew up in Peru and when my parents went to Peru in 1994, it was like the worst country in the world to go to. The, the terrorism was off the hook and it's just crazy. It was a crazy place to go. And so it, I just knew that those things that are hyped up in the media is like, oh, this is so dangerous. It's really at the end of the day, you can get mugged anywhere. You can run into all sorts of problems anywhere. And like any city has its bad spots. So you just go to where it's safe, right? I think that's a really good, this is a travel show. So that's a great piece of advice in my, it's like the fear that comes, like everybody was like, oh, you guys are going to Guatemala with five kids. You're going to get kidnapped. It's like, um, no, we're not. <laughs> It's gonna be fine. <laughs> so so far so good. Yeah, I've been I've been in that area. It's a beautiful, beautiful area that you're in. Which town are you in or near? What's the big bigger team? We're in San Pedro. Okay. Yeah. That's the main one around the lake, right? Is it? Yeah. There, there's a few. I there's Panajachel and Santiago and San Marcos, San Juan. Yeah. So it's been a long time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, there's there's a few destinations around the lake, but it's it's a world of its own because you get on these little boats and you go across the lake to another town for like, you know, a dollar or two and then you can just spend all day going to these different towns. Um it's really beautiful. Mm. So yeah, a lot of people that arrive they because they boat everywhere, they think like these towns are islands <laughs> just kind of get lost and you know um it's like oh how long have you lived on the island like, what <laughs> what island <laughs> anyway yeah it's a beautiful it's so. a beautiful area what does it mean for you guys when you say you wanted to quote switch over to an experimental way of living what does that mindset mean what does that mean in practical terms as well for for me, it meant a continuation of the water shut off, of checking things out. I mean, I think at the at the you know 
when you tear everything away, what travel actually is all about, unless it's for work. Uh, it's about learning stuff from new perspectives and seeing how other people live and experiencing something completely different from, from what you already have. Right. So, uh, and then you see, you know, we were talking about this earlier, you see yourself in these different people that you're meeting that are in a completely different culture and it's humanity, you know, you, you're, you find yourself in these communities um, and we really wanted to continue that just uh, a little bit of discomfort and, and we wanted to engage in uh, unbridled giving is how we defined uh, what we wanted to do is just uh, go somewhere. And by the time we sold our, all our stuff and paid as much debt as we could, we really came down here with not very much at all <laughs> some people like people would think we were crazy we came down with two grand to our name with five kids to guatemala we're just like we're gonna make it work and so far so good and and i guess the experiment is is this question of what happens when you when you just trust that you're looked after and you give from that place of um it could be seen as you know we don't have a lot but we we want to give and we're learning that like there's always something to give like you don't have to give money people like think that they have to donate their money when time for us we put it into time and we've gone right down to basics like we started this kids club we we started cleaning up trash just as a family and then that grew into this kids club where have 40 50 kids show up every week and we just clean up this plastic like you mentioned in the intro and and then Christy's an artist and we've just developed that into doing art with the plastics and and then like a couple of weeks ago we cracked open tomatoes and taught the kids that if they buy a tomato that they can actually open it up and plant seeds and have hundreds of tomatoes you know and it's just like it's so basic it's so so basic but you know we get the privilege of being the first ones to tell these kids about it and it's just magic like it, <laughs> we all planted these seeds in pot bottles that we collected off the beach and all the kids took home tomato plants a couple weeks ago or just recently so yeah, just really small stuff. And uh, we're just loving it. And our kids are seeing that. And oh, I think coming back to the experiment side of things of in Canada, we felt this pressure, like you needed to have everything together. Um, you needed to know what you were doing. And it just wasn't us. And I think part of preparing our kids to come down here is just sitting them down and uh, admitting to them that we have no idea what we're doing. <laughs> yeah. And it was one of the most freeing moments. It was like, hey, guys, we, we really don't know what we're doing. Um, let's just start experimenting and trying things out let's try this out and see where it leads us. And if we fail, whatever that looks like, we'll try something else out. And let's just keep trying things until 
yeah, until we feel like it's going the right way and going and we all feel good. We'll be back right after this. Would you love to have an incredible cup of coffee every day? I've tried it all. I've done the pour over. I've done the French press. But I tasted an AeroPress coffee many years ago and immediately I was sold. I had to get one. AeroPress is a patented three-in-one brew technology. This combines the flavor benefits of espresso, pour-over, and French press all into one compact portable device built for travel or home. I love things you can use in both places. This device has over 55,000 five-star reviews in over 60 countries. AeroPress is the best-reviewed coffee press on the planet. I've owned one for so many years. I don't even remember how long it's been. And they are under 50 bucks. So they also make an exceptional gift. Thoughtful, proven, tasty, and travel-oriented. Who wouldn't love that? Now, you get 20% off just for being a listener of this show at aeropress.com slash zero to travel. That's aeropress, A-E-R-O-P-R-E-S-S dot com slash zero to travel. That will save you 20% on checkout. Thanks to Aeropress for supporting today's show. Hey, it's Jason here. Did you know you are invited to join the first ever Zero to Travel community trip? Yes, we're planning a trip together. We're headed to Morocco November 30th through December 9th. And you can get all the details at zerototravel.com slash trip. It's open for booking now. We have 13 spots left at the time of this recording. And you have until the end of March to book. So if you're interested in traveling with an amazing community, this community, a small group of people, on an incredible journey through Morocco together with me. Sign up over there at zerototravel.com slash trip to get all the details. Thanks for listening and hope to see you there. Let's get back to the show. It's been really freeing to identify our lives as an experiment rather than like, oh, we have to, you know, tick off all these boxes. Um, you know, we're, we're redefining what success means for our family and it's not financial. It's, it's relational and investing in relationships has kind of become like something we talk about a lot is like just making small deposits in different relationships and watching them grow and, and get to the point where, um, we are looked after. We have all these relationships that we've put time into that we just know that we're not alone. And for somebody that has, you know, countless money in the bank, if they have not invested in relationships, when, when, you know, push comes to shove, um, I feel like that's becoming our message is like, invest in relationships in community because people here don't have much but their life is super rich and you can tell just walking through the neighborhoods you know so. oh yeah when we need when i'm cooking dinner and i need somewhere for the kids to go they go up to the neighbors and in canada normally we would have to pay a babysitter if we wanted any sort of extra time or anything and here that's just not not a thing it's relationships it's people um, people are so close to needing that it's okay to need. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. That's really cool. Um, 
so we're experiencing that like uh, you know people don't like asking for help where we're from um it's like and, and i'm getting used to it because we we have a support base now for for how we're running this and if we see a need um in our community or something that we can solve with like an hour's work back in canada i'll like send off messages to friends and be like hey do you want to help out this lady and it's like yes let's do it and it happens so easily right so i think that's the other part of of what we're doing where it's like showing people how easy it is to actually make a difference in somewhere that they can't see um and then showing the results on the on the blog has been super fun super rewarding as well yeah yeah there's you know these we can call it a lifetime of constructs that are developed or instilled or put upon us in some ways. You know, just wanted to ask about the financial stuff because I'm just wondering how you keep financial stress at at bay in that situation and continue to the giving experiments because there, you know, you do have to pay for website hosting and there's things that there are inevitably expenses uh, that come up. And I just, yeah, I'm just wondering how you... We expect daily miracles. (laughs) And (laughs) we are delivered daily miracles. I can't really put it any other way than that. Can you share a couple um, experiences you've had? Yeah, today, we usually go down to zero and then money comes in. And today was no different. Yeah, we just woke up to to a donation here uh, in the morning. And um, usually what we do for budget for all the projects. So just a little background, I'll I'll rewind a little bit. When we left Canada, Canada, uh, the government of Canada issues a child tax benefit. Per child, you get X amount of dollars, depending on what your income for the last year was. So we left right at the end of the tax year um, in Canada. So we had this child tax benefit um, coming in for a year year afterwards. And we've just recently got cut off of that. Like, it's like, okay, you're not in Guatemala anymore. Or you're not in Canada anymore. Like, you're not getting that. So uh, in the meantime, my, my background running that business in Canada, just business management. I've wanted to set up something that would sustain us here uh, in part um, besides the the blog subscriptions that we have. So we've set up a, we have a lease on a house that we've turned into a community center and guest house. So if anybody wants to check out the guest house, we can come to, I'll use this moment. I do. Uh, yeah it's it's amazing um so so we're we're renting that out and giving volunteers a great deal sometimes just depending on level of involvement with the projects um they don't pay or they get a super great deal so that's that's been something we've set up to and you're going to Canada to work. Yeah, I am going to. I'm actually leaving tomorrow to Canada. I'm pulling an all-nighter here and going back to Canada. Um, it's We've kind of just hit that, uh, okay, 
I, we've got to refill the coffers here. So, um, to so, support our family and then what comes in through the website, we really want that to just go into the community. So Owen's going back to Canada to work for what our family needs. How long will you be there, Owen? Um, as long as it takes, really. Um, I, I have a goal to earn enough to hopefully get us you know, six months or a year. Um, it is a lot cheaper here. And um, yeah, so it, it really depends. Um, but I'm going down with a couple jobs booked uh, because I'm a painter. Uh, I just called one of the cities that I did work for and they said yeah we've got a ton of painting you can come come work so that's what we fled from was the kind of crazy work that it takes to keep up in a country like canada for um either a single income family or you know even both parents working you're paying for childcare then so people are just working their butts off to just stay afloat you know so, so I did get quite used to putting some really long hours in. So it's it's nothing to do for uh, a short period of time. Yeah, I mean, got to figure it out as you go. Got to do what you got to do. And I mean, I really uh, admire what you guys have done. I mean, it's not a it's no small thing to head down there in a situation like that financially, where you're like, can be a bit on the edge. You know, you got to you can continue to figure it out. It sounds like you guys are really happy with the way your life is going there. I, so keeping it going, coming into the second year, right? What kind of change have you seen in your kids? Oh, I love watching my kids. Um, so Columbia, uh, the, the youngest, uh, she's just turned two. Her mannerisms as a two-year-old are completely different from the other four. Like she is so Guatemalan, she'll like drop something and go, "I," <laughs> like completely, completely different. Um, she spends time. She's been at the neighbor's house um, during the day when the two older girls are at school, and now she's at another family's house, and they're all Mayan families, so. Um, they speak the dialect as well. It's called Sutuhil here. And so she's picking up on that. We didn't actually know she was speaking it until we had some Mayan friends over and she was talking to us and she's like saying stuff and they're like, oh, she's asking for fish. Or she's like, you know, like what? We just thought it was gibberish, you know, like because we didn't <laughs> know. <laughs> Baby dog. <laughs> no, she's just speaking um, an ancient dialect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> totally. Totally. <laughs> So that's that's been super cool, and then just all the way up, you know, to the, the. Oh, it's it's really beautiful to see how much freedom our kids have here. We lived somewhere where they were given a lot of freedom as well, um, but it's just switched over to a different kind of freedom. Uh, in Canada, they were we kind of set them free on a ski hill and said, "Hey, go get yourself in some dangerous situations." And then get yourself out of them. And that was part of the goal of us living there is I also lived there when I was growing up and um, knew the value of being a child and being on top of a cliff, you know, it's a cliff to a child and uh, having to get off of it, having to either jump or make your way around it. 
but being in these situations where you need to use your reasoning skills and your logic and also be really brave and courageous and work through your heart pounding. Yeah. Yeah. The adrenaline and everything. And here it's, um, it's a freedom within the community where our kids are able to be out on the street and just be one of the kids in the community where they're out playing in the street. And that's really beautiful to watch. And with our oldest right now, he's, he's really struggling. Yeah. It's true. And watching him struggle is also part of it is seeing he's 12 now and he's transitioning into his teenage years. And he also just got back from Canada. He went for a month with Owen and that contrast of going somewhere so comfortable and clean and he was with family and coming back, he's, he's like, I just want to go back to Canada and just being there with him and in, in that and not telling him how to feel or, you know, that, Oh, things are so much better here, you know, because for him, they're not right now. And and that struggle is is okay. It's okay to struggle. Yeah. Well, it's tough when you're, you know, at that age, you're just, you don't really have as many choices in terms of like, you know, you're just kind of along for the ride because you're you're under the caretaker's guidance. And mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, so, you know, that's, that is tough. Totally feeling <laughs> that, yeah. Yeah. And he's, he's, he's got a strong mind. Like he's, he's so ready to, yeah, just think for himself, you know? And so, yeah, I totally hear what you're saying. That's very, very good point there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he, I have a lot of compassion for him. <laughs> he is, you know, he is along for the ride. Oh, it's just, it's like what I was saying about deciding to move to Canada. Um, when, when I was given the choice, like I moved back uh, between, you know, was, I was almost 16 and my parents gave me the choice and I was like, I'm moving back to Canada. I'm pretty sure if we were in Canada and we were talking, he would start missing Guatemala the same way. Um, because you, like, it's, yeah, the grass is always greener on the other side. And you just, as a child that grew up in kind of both cultures, I came back to Canada after four years when I was little, had one year in Canada and then went back to Peru. And it's just like, I missed it so much. I missed Canada so much. And then when I was back in Canada, I missed Peru so much. So it's just like, you get these, my dad finally just said, just forget about it. Just, you know, when you get to Canada, you're going to miss all the stuff that you have access to here. <laughs> and when you get to, you know, it's yeah. just, you know, just give up. Enjoy yeah. where you are. <laughs> it's a good life philosophy. Yeah. I mean, as an expat, you know, that can be a struggle, of course, missing things about your home country and things like that. You know, I'm curious as a, as a father and somebody who loves to travel. I agree with you on investing in relationships is the like the best investment you can make. And then, you know, with, with your oldest kid's situation, I guess, you know, obviously he's, he's invested in some relationships back in Canada. I'm sure he's developed friendships over the years and things like that. So you have like the family dynamic and then you have the, you know, the kids get older and they have their friends and their relationships kind of thing. How do you kind of 
discuss those types of things with them? Relationships. As a kid, like, I don't know if I have any of the same relationships as I did as an adult now. Like, they've all kind of fallen. I'm just thinking back to my childhood and how I had these amazing friends, you know, in the moment. And then you keep growing up and they just kind of fall off until you found your family and then you kind of set your roots in, right? And so we have, he has an amazing relationship with one of his cousins in particular that's back home. Um, and, you know, they keep in touch right now. But when they go, when he went back this last month, they had like, such a blast together. And it's really hard taking him uh, away from that. Um, but then also remembering that if we lived there, it would not be the same. It would not be, you know, it's super sparkly and shiny for going back for little bits of time. And if we lived right there, it just, it, it wouldn't have the same kind of, you know, it, it, you just get into those routines of like, Hey, Hey man, you know, like, uh, so I think there's actually in, in the hard of it, there's, and the difficulty, there's actually a lot of value in these moments being super special, you know, and making sure that they do have those moments and that they have them to contrast. And it's really good to miss people. Yeah. Yeah. That it's really good to leave your your friends when your relationship is at a point where you're going to miss each other. <laughs> that you're not leaving your friends because you're sick of each other. That, <laughs> that I think is really valuable as well. Because I know for kids that um, and adults too, you know, we we go on these friendship highs where we can spend a lot of time with people, and then it kind of there's some cracks in, in the friendship and then it just drops off and um, there's a real beauty and leaving when things are really good and missing each other and going back to those friendships periodically and revisiting and keeping things really good uh, is just something that we've found for ourselves is, is it's yeah. good to miss people. Yeah. And keeping things at the peak, like we with babysitters now, we're like, okay, have a month, a month. If you're doing childcare for us, five kids, you, you might want to stay after a month because we'll still be at the peak of that honeymoon period where our kids are just so cute and so awesome. <laughs> Let's leave it at but a we're month. Gonna take and we're going to take it. We're going to let you miss us. <laughs> <laughs> and we're gonna let ourselves miss you and I, I i we saw that on a chef's table there's some chef from argentina on netflix that talks about best advice ever yeah like pausing relationships when they're at their peak and um you know just just realizing that we all have limits and outside of like the commitment of an immediate family uh, when you're not like when you haven't signed a contract with somebody to be with them forever, you inevitably like need a break. <laughs> so I think I think in a on a more micro scale, like seeing that with our kids and making sure that they do get to visit the people that 
uh, are important to them and family and that either family can come visit us or we can go back and making sure that that can happen. Um, but I, I highly recommend, I mean, it's not like, as you said, it's not for everyone, but um, traveling f- with kids is like, there's so much fear around it. And you know, it's, um, oh, it's really hard. Yeah. It's really hard. But um, we found that some of the hardest things to do in life are the things that are most worth it. And we've traveled through Mexico. Uh, we travel on public transport. We we travel the back roads and and mm-hmm. and see the parts of so far Guatemala and Mexico that we've done. You know where a lot of tourists don't go. Yeah, and people look at us. We like- find it's it's such a gift for for us, but also for the people that are in the bus with us that are so curious, like, what is this gringo family doing with five kids in this part of Mexico? Like, don't they know <laughs> like, that tourists aren't supposed to be here or, you yeah, know, people like, don't come people here. Don't yeah. come here. Yeah. Why are you here? Yeah, and it creates such beautiful interactions with people. And, and I think yeah. what we've experienced with traveling with the kids is just how much people look out for us. Totally, you know, we always first... have people looking out for us and and helping us, and it's really cool to see when you arrive somewhere like this. It's like you have this kind of you're on absolute high alert for sure. We arrived at Guatemala, and then when we traveled to Mexico the first time to renew our visas, we're just like absolutely high alert. And then you lift up your head and you realize that there's just a lot of people smiling at you and like, yeah. (laughs) Oh, you know, all these people. And counting how many kids you have. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So, so, and then you get, yeah. Like Chris said, we get talking on the bus and it's like, what are you doing here? Like nobody comes here. It's like, well, you live here. Tell me what's good. And they, tell you these little gems you know the places that they grew up or a little restaurant that they always eat at or you know a little nook in in you know some place where they they go with their families on Sundays or they even invite you with their family and it's just like those experiences with the kids meeting these other families I mean and they don't happen in an all-inclusive resort no (laughs) (laughs) they yeah yeah, I guess those. not that we would know. Maybe they do. We've yeah. just never. We. <laughs> we'll say that because we've never stayed in an all-inclusive resort, so I shouldn't. I shouldn't speak to that. No. But um, we found that they happen on the street. Yeah, we got invited in a to this family's um, Day of the Dead uh, kind of ritual in Mexico when we were there, and his mom they 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 decorated the altar for his dad that had passed away and um, his mom made us these amazing tamales and gave us like this pot of tamales and to take home with us. And then they, at the end, they're like, Oh, what else? Oh, we have chickens. We just got these chickens here. Have the eggs. 
that these chickens laid. They're the first ones. And we're like, what? And then like, oh, we still have some lemons on the tree that we haven't picked. Here, have them. And we look at their place and it's tiny. It's tiny. Like, it's so humble. And, and we're like, no, you know, we don't want to, I, ha- I have this friend from Canada that we talk about this all the time. He's, he, and in this situation, he's like, I don't see how you don't see how you're contributing to their poverty by accepting those things. And, and my response there is like, to deny their gifts is to deny the very fabric of community that we want to ingrain ourselves in, that we want to you know, integrate into, we want that community. So we accept those gifts, but we make sure that we give back in a meaningful way. So with that family in particular, uh, I blogged about this. We got a, a whole bunch of people together and built a fence around their property for them. So he's like telling me about his dream of having a fence. So I think that's, that's a really good story of kind of what we're setting out to do as, um, as the giving experiment is just it's it's not just about giving it's about being able allowing ourselves to receive and and then giving back and so it becomes this beautiful mutual give and receive and people are so generous here i think people are generous everywhere but like once they have given the opportunity yeah given the opportunity people are really generous yeah mm. what has been the thing that has moved you the most over the course of this uh experience i guess we can both answer um i think hearing hear people's saying. stories how real the struggle in people's lives are how a lot of that's buffered uh by comfort but how how the the barrier between life and death here is so much thinner uh the i guess for example you know here death is such a part of the day-to-day life that when somebody dies there's a song that's played over the loudspeaker at the church and the whole community knows and and then when there's a funeral, the whole community is involved. And I think that's a whole nother, that, that's such a beautiful part of the culture here is how death is handled. Uh, I think that's something that's really had a profound impact on me is that death isn't taken care of by um, an institution. An institution. Yeah. It's, it's the family and the community. Uh, yeah, there's no there's no life insurance. The community is the life insurance. So I I decided that I was gonna write a book about um, Mayan burial traditions. I'm not exactly. I haven't fully. I've written out the outline, but I don't know what kind of format it's going to take place in. But I wanted to interview families that were going through the funeral process and like. The day after I told Chrissy about it, a friend was like, hey, um, my wife's grandpa just died. Do you want to come mourn him with our family for nine days? <laughs> I was like, yes. Was like, what an honor. And so, so 
a couple hours after he died, I was sitting in the chair that he died in and they were preparing the body in the next room. And I was talking, uh, giving the grandsons an opportunity to tell me about their granddad. And I mean, that whole, that whole nine days, I just talk about being moved like that, that experience of being in a house where people are mourning and, but then there's the, the ice cream man is showing up with corn and the, the chip, the fried chicken guy is showing up with like bags of coffee and sugar and, and all these traditions, like the, the whole community brings something for the family and the family uses that to feed the people that are coming. And then with all that's left, they sell it in, in front out of this room and they clear out a room in the house and they sell it. And they, that's what they use to pay for the funeral. So everybody, there's no life insurance. Everybody just gives food. And then, and then they buy it sold. back. Yeah. Uh, and there's people uh, delegated within the community to go to the house for these days of mourning to sing to the family, to collect food from the neighborhood for the family, to pray and make sure that there's always candles lit and somebody's praying for the soul of this, this recently deceased person. That's, that's moved me a lot is um how how birth and death happen within the community there aren't hospitals here so births are happening at home and these these big events are just part of the day-to-day life cycle of life right in your face yeah yeah (laughs) right people are um, healthier mentally because of it yeah i mean that's our perspective you know like yeah that's our perspective i I, we we talk about that a lot. Just our, in, if I had to re- write results of the experiment so far, um, it's it's that um, people are generous. Um, people want to help if they know about it. If they know about the urgency of a situation, people want or, and are ready to to give. Um, I think the biggest Let me just interject something as an example of that. Our neighbor walked by today and I haven't seen her in days and she just walked by and popped into the house and then she left with two of our kids and then she came back and I didn't ask for help or anything, but she saw the state of our house and she came and she did dishes with me. And I think when people know or they see something, we all generally really want to help yeah, yeah <laughs> that is, uh, i'm sorry i'm just thinking about like walking into my neighbor's house and doing dishes with them they'd be like what are you I doing know. dude I know, like, get out of here <laughs> I know, it's, that's, ah, oh and it's so awesome something that would have taken me help. hours was like 20 minutes and and we got to have a really good conversation yes we haven't been able to visit in a while we we reached out to you because um, we want to share this information from this experiment so far with people because um, it's been really freeing for us. And well, just the contrast of what we've experienced in comparison to the the like you can make six figures in in one month and like you can have your dreams. It's like 
what we're experiencing is learning that less is more and it it's actually so much nicer to learn how to live with less it's so much more achievable it's so much more achievable it's just a complete mindset shift that's necessary just that (laughs) (laughs) i I want to add into that and um just really starting to question you know your dreams and your visions for your life and ask yourself who who handed me this this dream or this belief or even this cause that i'm championing now who handed this to me yeah it's who a- who programmed this into my brain was this my original idea or was this somebody else giving me this idea of, you know, what success is or, or, you know, what, what, what cause, yeah, what you need to have to be happy or what, you know, what cause is important right now? What should I be rallying in the street for? It's like, well, who, who is it that, that gave you that cause? Who handed it to you? And, and did you ask for it? Did you really, um, would you want that, that type of success or, or is it just something that somebody gave to you kind of subliminally? (laughs) I, I think that's what I have to add into it is, is the beauty of removing yourself from, from those, those, States of being programmed that happen so easily when you're within your your comfort zone or your your job or you you know your just your day to day that happens when you go out and you travel that you get shaken up and your your minds that get shaken up your beliefs get shaken up they get challenged and you really get to ask those big questions of why do I believe what I believe and. And I think that's the gift of, of traveling. Yeah, it's a great question to ask yourself, right? Why do I believe what I believe? Take time to answer it. It's a good starting point for this type of exploration, I think. Yeah, man. That's and me. then just where the experimental side of life comes in. Where it's like, well, what if I try out believing something else for a while? <laughs> <laughs> or yeah, just or like maybe just suspending belief. Realizing <laughs> that you're a product of your environment. Yeah. It's, you know, um, and, and it's okay to run away from that environment. (laughs) Let me say you're, you're traveling because you're just trying to run away from things and you're like, that's okay. Yeah. We we got that actually. We're just trying to run away and it's like, yeah, but we want to run away for a little while. It's, It's exactly what we ran into when we told people we were leaving for, you know, it was, going to be a year uh, to, to try it out in the back of our minds we're like if this goes well we're not coming back you know? so, uh, and i think people had said that to me from when i was even 18 and i wanted to go travel it's like what are you running away from and it's like well everything <laughs> if i'm going to if i'm going to change i need to leave all of the things that are holding me into this mold this mold of who who you even think i am um, for family or friends, you know, you get typecasted into a mold of of who people think you are. And if you don't want to be that person, it's really helpful to leave that situation. 
doesn't have to be permanent, but just long enough for you to really reinvent yourself. Well, I, I appreciate you guys getting up in the middle of the night <laughs> to have a, this deep discussion, I would say, you know, it's not like we're getting up to, you know, talk about breakfast cereals or something. <laughs> <laughs> but maybe you know maybe like the sleepy state of mind is a better state of mind for this uh this kind of discussion but i just appreciate the honesty you know just sharing your experience here today in a transparent way and if you want to just let people know and remind them where they can find you or kind of like yeah if you have a sort of a call to action here i know you, you guys are running all of these experiments and sharing them over at thegivingexperiment.com which we'll link to in the show notes of course, people listening are interested or want to help out in any ways or whatever, feel free to share uh, how they can do that. I think the call to action isn't necessarily like donate to us or donate to it, it's there's so many good causes out there. If you guys choose to to support or sponsor one of our programs, then amazing. Um, but I think the call to action would be uh, I really like the idea of people looking at their app subscriptions, their monthly app subscriptions, and they're like, oh, I spend $100 a month on you know, Netflix, blah, 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 all these different things. I should give 10% to something that's completely just for the sake of giving to somebody else. You, you, know, you get all these services for yourself. Try seeing what it feels like to give 10% a month of what you're giving to yourself to something completely different. And it feels amazing. And uh, I, there's, I just want to challenge people to that in particular, because it's, uh, it's yeah, just good... looking around your immediate environment. It's like, how can I enhance this experience for the people that are experiencing this with me for my neighbors or for, the people on the street or, you know, buying a coffee. Um, how can I enhance other people's lives as much as I'm trying to enhance my own? And it could just be giving a smile. It, you know, but people can also reach out to us at thegivingexperiment.com. <laughs> uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, that's the state of, of the world I, I want to live in is everybody doing that. And it's kind of on a, like a macro scale of what we're experiencing in our neighborhood is somebody goes by and sees that you need dishes done. And on one side, being able to receive it. And on the other side, taking the 20 minutes that it takes or the half an hour to do that. Like, um, so that's the call to action. The other thing is we would love to grow our mailing list. And if anybody, I'm like, all we do is send out emails when we release a new blog um, or people on the mailing list get an email once in a while of more of our challenges. I like blogging about our successes and writing, but there's something a little bit more personal to, you know, more of a following um, that it's nice to just be like, this is happening. This is where we're failing. And it's a lot more personal, you know, with, with people that are subscribed. So um, it's kind of a sneak peek of what you get if you join the mailing list and, and we'd love to have more people on there. And we'd also love to grow our Instagram and that's the giving experiment on 
Instagram? Yeah. Is that all it is? Yeah, yeah. that's all. It is. That's all it is. You can find Wilco video, Wilco cover. <laughs> no. Pictures of cute kids, with dirty faces. <laughs> well, best of luck with everything and safe travels back to Canada, Owen, and continue to follow along and see what you guys are up to and how the projects are coming along. And thanks. Thanks for coming on and sharing your perspective and your experiences today. Yeah. Thank you so much. It's been super fun. And I want to interview you sometime. (laughs) I would be honored. (laughs) Yeah, totally. All right. Thanks Thanks. so much. Take care. You too. There you have it. I want to thank Owen and Christina once again for stopping by the show, getting up in the middle of the night there to record it. <laughs> I wonder how the rest of that day went. Hopefully they ended up getting some sleep at some point. And of all of the themes that came out of this show, I think one of the biggest was just that idea of getting out of your comfort zone. I know we've heard that expression a million times and it can become very cliche But if we get past that as a platitude and think about how that applies to us in our lives when we've gotten out of our comfort zones, what type of growth we've experienced, have we been out of our comfort zones recently? I'm I'm asking myself these questions right now, just coming out of this. If I haven't been far enough out of my comfort zone, I know for me that is where most of the growth happens. And of course, extending that comfort zone or expanding it by manufacturing discomfort, which is something Owen and Christina did with their water experiment, some of the other things they did. But that idea can look like a lot of different things for everybody, depending on where you find discomfort. For somebody that might be, say, public speaking, you've been putting off, getting in front of people. It's one of your biggest fears. Let's say I'm just pulling a random example. But then you can find an organization like Toastmasters, which is a free organization to join where you can give uh, talks and speeches. And I know I've had a couple friends as a part of Toastmasters. And it's just a supportive group that is holding space for you to give talks. So you can conquer some of those public speaking fears or just get better at the craft to be able to practice in a certain setting. That is one example of some way to get yourself out of your comfort zone and find discomfort. You don't necessarily have to move to another country with very little money in the bank. Everybody has their own versions of what discomfort means. A lot of discomfort for me takes place on a weekly basis when I go play with my band and I'm the worst musician in the room, but that's what I want to be. Even though it's uncomfortable and I can't keep up, I want to be that because it makes me better. Yes, it's not comfortable not being able to follow along (laughs) in many ways, but that discomfort has made me better at playing guitar, made me better at writing songs and and things like that. There's an example of some uh, discomfort on a weekly basis in my life. Sometimes making this podcast is uncomfortable, even though I've done it hundreds of times. When I get into it, I never know exactly where I'm going to begin and how this is going to come together and what things I'm going to be able to put together for you to get 
as much value as possible out of each episode. And that's my goal to provide as much value as possible. So I hope you found this one valuable. If we're going to throw a challenge out there today, I would say this week, do something to get out of your comfort zone, whatever that means to you going along with one of the big themes in today's show. Of course, you can get in touch anytime. As I mentioned, Owen and Christina, they are part of the listening community. Love to hear from listeners. You can drop me an email and you can also leave me a voicemail. The link is in all of the show notes. I'm going to leave you with a couple quotes today. First, I wanted to tell you about this travel surprise, I'm calling it, that I had in Guatemala many years ago. I'm wondering if this has ever happened to you. It was one of those situations where the main thing I wanted to visit, which was not a letdown at all, the uh, UNESCO World Heritage Site of Tikal, incredible ruins of a pre-Columbian Mayan city. Spectacular. Well worth the visit. (laughs) That aside, because we're not going to do a whole episode on that, although we could. I'm not going to do that right now. The place I stayed before I visited was just a small village called El Ramate. And it was one of those things where I just thought, okay, this is just a place to stay. And the main attraction is to call, which of course it was. But I had such a nice time in this village. I think I talked about this on the podcast hundreds of episodes before. It's been a while, but talking to uh, the couple today and taking myself back to Guatemala and my experience there, this village popped into my mind. And why I call it a surprise is because sometimes... Those places where you just think you're passing through or that you're basing out of to see some other bigger, better thing, I'm using air quotes, ends up being a highlight in and of itself. And that is always such a nice travel surprise. So if you have an example of that you want to share, you can get in touch. I'd love to share it with the community. And if you love ruins, check out Tikal. Well worth the visit. All right, I'm going to leave you with a couple quotes on giving. I couldn't pick just one because I found two great ones that I wanted to leave you with. The first one from Pablo Picasso, who said, the meaning of life is to find your gift. The purpose of life is to give it away. And last one from Winston Churchill, who said, we make a living by what we get. We make a life by what we give. Thanks for listening today. Have a wonderful rest of your day, and I'll see you next time. Peace and love to you and yours. This podcast has been brought to you by ZeroToTravel.com. Ideas and advice to make your travel dreams a reality.